Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. This evening, Genesis chapter number 18, just a chapter over from where we were last Sunday night. I'm just marching all around in Genesis and Psalms, it seems like, here for the past uh, several services, but that's okay. Genesis chapter number 18. Amen. Thank you for being, uh, you know, responsive to the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Here tonight, I was telling our leaders before service, just reminding them even after we prayed, just before we went, You know, we don't need to take for granted any aspect or portion of our service. You know, it's not just the preaching. It's not just the altar call. It's just not the singing, but it's all these components together. Amen. To bring about, you know, the purpose and the will of God in the service. I said, you know, there was a time in Scripture, the Bible says that Elisha called for a minstrel to come, someone that played. And whenever they begin to play, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he began to prophesy to the people. He spoke a word of God unto them. And so what we do leading up to preaching, what we do after all of these things are vitally important. I I believe the minstrel has been in the house tonight. The singing and the playing and uh, it's broken ground and clods of dirt for the purpose of sowing seed of God's word. And so we want to look at the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, This may be... uh, I don't know if the story is similar to all, but uh, the characters no doubt have some type of familiarity to some. Genesis 18, I'm going to read a few verses of scripture uh, here tonight. And uh, with the help of the Lord, you know, feel like that maybe someone could be helped from the word of the Lord tonight. I know they will be, whether they're in this house or elsewhere or whatever it is. You know, you speak God's word and it's beneficial. His word will not return void. It will when it's sent forth, it'll do that which it was sent to accomplish and accomplish in someone's life. Uh, we are not always aware of it. You know, the Bible talks about sometimes the word of God is like a hammer. You know, it's hit. You take a hammer and hit, hit, hit a rock and like nothing's happening. If you keep up, uh, repetitively do it, sooner or later a crack's going to come to the surface. That probably happened below the surface before it happened on the surface. But you didn't see it when it was happening. It says sometimes it's like the rain. It says sometimes the word of God is like the snow. Snow falls, just kind of rests there on the ground. But through the process of melting, it leaks into the soil. Sometimes the word of God is just like that. It just lands, doesn't seem even invasive in the moment. But through a process of time of melting, it kind of seeps down into areas of our lives that we may have not been aware that needed to be needed to be ministered to. So that's my sermon within a sermon. Genesis 18 and verse number 9. The Bible says, and set the preface here, some angelic visitations, three came to Moses and, or to Abraham and Sarah. Verse 9, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, One of these angelic beings, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, because she's in the tent here, almost like eavesdropping a little bit. She heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. 
Here's the scenario, the context of them. They're old and well-stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. We'll talk about that just a little bit tonight. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And I'm going to try to keep it as PG-13 as I can tonight. <laughs> and the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Notice that everything Sarah is saying is concerning herself. Verse 14. Is anything the angel says, and an angel of the Lord that we discover later in Scripture, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Thou didst laugh. Tonight, in my sermon topic tonight, and I don't want anybody, this is not in a derogatory means of my title. All right, we'll understand it better by and by. But I want to preach to us tonight this. When God gets the last laugh. When God gets the last laugh. Hallelujah. We need the Lord to help us. I believe he will. He's here to help us tonight. God, I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, your word is already anointed. But God, if you can touch my mind and my heart, God, these lips of clay, I'm a fallible, Lord Jesus, vessel, Lord. God, I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, I am marred. But, Lord, God, I place myself and surrender myself in your hands tonight. God, for the preaching of this word, help somebody. Encourage somebody. Uplift somebody, I pray, Lord, by the word of the Lord. God, get inside someone's head tonight with your word and find where they are. Pull them, Lord, I pray, God, from the recesses of their very mind and their own thoughts. God, and speak to the heart of the matter. God, and will not fail to thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus, for what you do in this house. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. God bless you tonight in Jesus' name. And you may be seated here this evening in Jesus' name. When God gets the last laugh. The first, mind you, the first barren woman that we have recorded of in Scripture is Sarah. She's the first. There were several other women throughout the pages of Scripture after her that were likewise barren, such as Rebecca and Rachel, the unnamed or nameless mother of Samson. She was barren. Hannah, the one that was found in the temple pleading with God for a child and a son, she had been barren. Elizabeth in the New Testament Scripture uh, that gave birth to John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. She was barren, just to name a few of the ladies throughout the Holy Writ that were barren. But it's one thing tonight, folks, to be barren when other people have been barren before you were barren. And it's a whole nother thing to be barren when nobody else, according to the record of Scripture up to that point in time, have been barren. It's quite a different thing to be barren when there's no record of a woman except you being barren. 
mostly in biblical times whenever an individual was barren or a lady was barren when they had seemingly this inability to conceive it was many times looked at and associated with as some divine withholding of a blessing from a family or from an individual It was looked upon with eyes that were downcast as though that family or that woman was being punished or that her life or their lives were under some type of divine horrid curse was upon them. So you can only imagine tonight how Sarah must have felt when she could not produce a child. When every other woman before her in the line of the race of humanity was given birth to boys and to girls and making their legacy and ancestors and descendants many but here is Sarah wanting to propagate the name of her husband and wanting to do well by bringing an offspring into her home but she has not when everybody else before her has it's not as though you know being the first lady to be barren that she could get around other women friends of hers and begin to talk about and compare notes about what might be wrong about what the dilemma might be, about what the hang-up might be in the body, because no one else had ever experienced this, except Sarah. The command from God in the very beginning to the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, there in the garden, was about procreation. It was about reproduction. He said to them in Genesis 1 and verse 27, So God created man in his own image, In the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so the command of God to the first lady and the first man was to them that they would be fruitful, that they would multiply, that they would reproduce. And so that mandate from God upon the first family has traveled through generations. It has traveled through the human family. And so upon the shoulders of Sarah is this command that was spoken even to the first man and woman about being fruitful and multiplying. And from a long line, this this had originated and had been the case even after the destruction of the world world by water. Amen. Through the flood that Noah and his family came through when Noah and his wife and his children and his sons-in-law first hit that dry ground all over again. The Lord is reaffirming to that family to rebuild and repopulate the world again to be fruitful and to multiply and so that mandate is echoing from generation to generation all up until even the time of Sarah. She feels the gravity of wanting to multiply needing to be fruitful because this is a command of God from the very beginning and yet among all the women and the men that preceded her she is barren a barren woman in biblical times was a a reproach to her family she was considered a reproach to her husband no wonder in the biblical notes of the Old Testament 
that Rachel concerning her barrenness, amen, whenever she first finally had that child, Joseph, that she gave birth to, she cried unto God and said, God have taken away my reproach because that was the rule of thumb. That was the concept and the idea of a woman that could not bring forth a child, that she had a reproach upon her life or she was a reproach to her family or even to God. And so she cries out, being able now to give birth after a long season of barrenness, God have taken away my reproach. In many regards, a barren woman was a woman that in many ways became a social outcast to, to her surroundings and to her society. It was very stigmatizing to a woman to be unable to bear children. As a matter of fact, in attempts to remove uh, the disgrace of barrenness, both Sarah and also Rachel offered their handmaids to their husbands as surrogates, hoping, hoping that with hopes that they would somehow build up the family name through the surrogacy of another woman because as an individual and a woman unable to have a child seemingly infertile whatever the case may have been they felt useless they felt like a disgrace to society they felt like a disgrace to their family and to God they felt inside of themselves that they just had a torn down condition inside of them they didn't think much of themselves being a barrenness. I preached it before and I preach it again tonight that these women knew through the ages of the Old Testament, even to the New Testament, they knew the prescription that God had placed upon the seed of the woman from the very beginning of time. We read of it in Genesis 3 and verse 15 where God said, I will put enmity between thee, speaking of Satan, and the woman between thy seed and her seed. It, speaking her seed, the woman's seed, shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Every woman knew the prescription of God from the very beginning. They want to have children. They want to have sons because in the back of their mind, they're wondering, could I be the one could I be the lady that's going to give birth to a man child that's going to be the one that's going to arise and bruise the head of the serpent and bruise the head of the adversary so every woman from that day forward had hopes of being the woman that would bear the child to bruise the head of the serpent thinking it would be such a great honor it would be such a great honor and noteworthy not just for me personally but for my family even unto the Lord to be the one to give birth to such a child but the idea is this for Sarah, mind you. If I cannot bear children, then I'll for sure not be able to give birth to the prophesied promised child. You understand her plight? She's in a deplorable state. She cannot propagate the family name. She cannot be a candidate for bearing the promised seed that will bruise the head of the serpent. And so the Bible tells us that she resorts to her handmaid. She resorts to Hagar. And when she's po po proposing the idea of Hagar, Sarah tells Abraham this. She says, Abraham, go into Hagar. Let this build up a family through Hagar because she said, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I'm 
not able to bear because the Lord has restrained me. First of all, her idea is that God, God has kept me from bearing. But no well. Somewhere along the way in the process of time, her idea of God restraining her had turned into not it is the Lord's problem, but it's my problem. It's my condition. It's my insufficiency. Somewhere along the way, Sarah believed that her barrenness was a Sarah issue more than a God withholding issue. It was a Sarah problem and a Sarah condition more than it was a God restraining or withholding something from me condition. She may have thought in her mind through a process of time, what is is it that's wrong with me? What's wrong? Every woman before me could bear children. What's wrong with me? I, I even can't do what I was created to do. I can't even do what God has created woman to do. What's lacking in me? What, what, what is there that I am lacking? Every woman before me had what it took, but I don't seem to have what it takes. I'm deficient. If I may go to the degree Sarah may have been thinking of herself, I'm damaged goods. What good am I to my husband? What good am I to society? What good am I to God? I'm damaged goods. I'm a barrenness. I'm a barren woman. Someone say amen. We're just walking a little story here. A short reflection upon her and Abraham's time in the house of King Abimelech may have been just enough to solidify in her mind that the barrenness that she was contending with, this condition that she had, was totally inward and her problem and her condition. If I can turn your attention there to Genesis chapter 20, the Bible describes that all the women of the house of Abimelech had their wombs shut up because he had taken, Abimelech had taken Sarah into his house. The Bible describes in Genesis 20, and verse number 17. So it's when Abraham and Sarah went down. It's one of those occasions that Abraham asked Sarah to say that she is his sister, which she was half-sister rather than wife. And so Abimelech seemed that, that Sarah looked good. Amen. Took her into his home. And as a result, the Bible says, his wife and all the maids in his kingdom, their wombs were shut up because of Sarah. And so verse 17 of Genesis says, so Abraham prayed unto God and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants and they bear children. Listen to me. This is before Sarah ever had Isaac. This is while Sarah is still barren herself. And the Bible says in verse 18, and the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Someone say amen. You know what could be going through the mind of this woman in this moment? Watch me right here. She could be thinking, Sister Grace, in this moment that her mark of imperfection now has become punishment upon Abimelech's household because he took Sarah. What are you saying? She could be going through a mode right now thinking how embarrassing it must be for me that my imperfection would be used as a punishment. I'm so deplorable 
that where I lack is being used as punishment upon other women. Oh, God. You, oh, Jesus. You know, you know the flaws. Listen, tonight, you know the flaws of your life are horrible when they're used as punishment in other people's lives. In reality, that's what Sarah's dealing with here. It's so bad, God, God says, I can use this for punishment on somebody. I can't imagine. And then, listen to me tonight, folks, to add insult into injury, her husband Abraham prays for them and God heals them. Abimelech's wife, Abimelech's maids, whose wombs were barren, he healed them. What's Sarah thinking in this moment? How many times has Abraham prayed for me? How many times have we petitioned God about my condition and they are now having the same condition? How many times have we petitioned the throne? But I'm still barren. I'm still lacking. I'm still imperfect. I'm still deficient. How many times have we? God's going to heal them, but he won't heal. He won't heal me. She must have thought in that moment, amen, that I must for sure have a Sarah problem here. This must not be a God problem. He had already healed me. Surely this is a Sarah problem that I have going on here. I know my husband's prayed. I know my husband has talked to God. And now I've witnessed God doing for others, amen, what he has not done for me. God performing something in others' lives, amen, that he's not doing for me. They seem to have the same lack, imperfection, damaged goods, if you will, but yet God does for them, and he hasn't done for me. Maybe I've went too far. Maybe I've stepped out of bounds. Maybe I'm unredeemable. Maybe my, I'm unreconcilable. Oh, someone say glory. Just walk with me here tonight. We're just, we're just telling a story. I love narratives. We're just telling a story. On several occasions throughout the scripture, God spoke to Abraham about his seed about his descendants, about his family. Many times it appears as though God held conversation, as we see in Scripture, with Abraham alone and not Sarai with him. Most times that God spoke to Abraham about his descendants and his offspring, Sarah wasn't around. God only spoke to Abraham. See, that's what makes this so unique in chapter number 18. Because the angel of the Lord wants to know, where is Sarah? Because for the very first time in Genesis chapter number 18, they are going to share news of a promised child with Sarah. When all the many sundry times they've only shared it with Abraham. Before Abraham ever left his homeland of Ur of Chaldees, God had told him that he would make him a great nation. Amen. That, folks, requires a child. After the separation of Abraham from Lot and Lot choosing 
in Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. After he chose that, God showed up to Abraham again by himself and spoke to him about his seed being as the dust of the earth. Again, Brother Malone, that requires a child. After Abraham saved Lot and there was war and Lot was taken from, amen, Sodom, Abraham saved him and went to war for him and returned him back to Sodom. And Abraham begins to argue with God. God, if you are to be my exceeding great reward, I'm asking you, God, what are you going to give me seeing that I am childless? In other words, there's nothing you can give me, God, because the moment that I die, it will perish at my death because I have no child to inherit. What could you give me when I don't have a child? And God, in that moment, assures the man Abraham. He said, your eldest servant isn't going to be the one to inherit it. I'm going to give you seed. I'm going to give you descendants. It's going to come from your own bowels. Look again to the stars of the heaven. I'm going to do it. But every time God speaks to him about his family, he's speaking to Abraham alone. You can read in Genesis chapter 17. Abraham is 99. Everybody say 99. Abraham is 99 years old. God appears to him and he tells him, 99, mind you, I'm going to multiply you exceedingly. God, this has been a real good storyline ever since I've left Ur of Chaldees. But I'm 99 years old today, God. I'm going to multiply you exceedingly. You're going to be the father of many nations. You want to be the father of many nations. As a matter of fact, in that moment, the Bible says that God changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. Amen. Meaning, reflecting that he would be exceeding fruitful. It's showing that he would make of him many nations and many kings of him. That he would be a father of many nations. Abraham's name, meaning that. Telling him all about this. And so God is talking over and over again about Abraham's seed. But in chapter 17, as he's having this conversation, verse 15, God says, and God said unto Abraham, and as, here, Abraham, Sarah's not there. This this is the first time I ever, I've been reading the Bible for years. And here it is again, one of those times, the first time I ever noticed this. That Abraham had his name changed and was aware of it. But here, God is talking to Sarah about her name being changed. He doesn't talk to Sarah about it being changed. He talks to her husband about it being changed. Never in my life have I ever caught this. I always just thought, well, their names were changed. They were both aware of this. No. God is talking to Abraham about Sarah's name changed. And he says, God says to Abraham, as for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah. Now, folks, pause for a moment. How do you think that first scenario went after this meeting with God when Abraham said, Sarah, rather than Sarai? Because when you say Sarah, that means a mother of nations, but she's barren. God's like, I know what you've been calling her. But between you and me, this is what you must start calling her. Call her the mother of nations. But Sarah shall her name be, verse 16. And God tells Abraham, not Sarah this, Abraham, I will bless her. 
and give thee a son also of her. I mean, if you was the mother, wouldn't you like to be in on the conversation? Wouldn't you? How are you going to be the mother? You're going to, I'm going to bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Sarah's absent. She's not included in the scenario. God told Abraham, don't call her Sarah anymore. Call her Sarah. Call her the mother of nations. You know what God is doing through the venue of her husband? Listen to me tonight. God is trying to utilize Abraham in awakening a possibility inside of Sarah that she can't see lies within herself. No, 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 no. At this juncture in the road and the age that she is, she is for sure convinced. I'm not worth anything. I'm insufficient. I'm lacking. I'm damaged goods. It's well for every other woman but me. There's a Sarah problem. Yeah, Abraham's gonna call her Sarah, a mother of nations, because God's trying to use her husband to awaken what's really possible inside of her. It's the same scenario of whenever the angel of the Lord showed up by the wine press where Gideon was threshing wheat and it spoke to Gideon under years of oppression and said, thou mighty man of valor. That angel was being used to awaken something that existed in Gideon that he couldn't see himself. And so God says, Abraham, call her Sarah because I need you to awaken through all of her thoughts and through her self-consideration. I need you to awaken something in her that she can't believe herself. Amen. Now look, Abraham upon this news laughs. Me, he's doing the math in his head. You tell me we'll have a kid. I'll be 100 years old by then. And Sarah, 90. Oh, if our elders, if I could see their faces right now. And Sarah, 90. And you got to look at the scripture, folks. If you look at it in chapter number 17, in so many words, you can see it in verse 17. He says, and shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? You know what Abraham is even saying about the condition? Isn't it a little late for her? He's not pointing any fingers at the ability of God. He's pointing at the insufficiency of his wife. Isn't it just a little late for her to bear? God, I'm not questioning you. I know you've done this and you've done that, but I'm not sure about us. Particularly, I'm not sure about her. I'm not sure about Sarah. Yeah, if you came just a few years earlier when she was young and tender age and all of that, man, let's go and do it done. But now she's of a ripe old age. I'm not sure about her. And please note that it's in this private meeting of Abraham with God that God told Abraham, whenever you do have that child, he says, you name it, Isaac. Which means laughter or laugh. Now, Genesis 18, I know. I got to go to Adam and Eve and bring us all the way up, you know. Now, in Genesis 18, when the angels of the Lord come to visit Abraham and Sarah, again, this is the first recorded time 
of God including Sarah in on the conversation about their descendants and about their offspring. This is the first time she's included on the meeting about the nations and the descendants that will come from her womb. No doubt she must have been aware of the news second-handedly from her husband, of course. Amen. No doubt he's been calling her Sarah now for some time and they've had a discussion about all of that. She's aware of it, but she's never been included in the conversation with her and angelic beings or with God. I mean, really, I mean, what kind of sick type of joke is this? God having you call me something Abraham that means mother of nations I'm barren I've always been barren amen and I thought God had restrained me at one point and he healed others but what I come to realize is this I'm just not worthy what I come Abraham to realize is this I've got too much wrong to have something so right happen to me reaching for somebody tonight folks I feel in my spirit there may be some sitting here or if by podcast tonight that feels like they are damaged goods that feels like you just had too much wrong go on in your condition and your life for God to perform what he said he would be perform there's some that feel like they're lacking there's some that feel like they just don't have what's necessary they look at themselves and say it'll never happen it can't happen had it been a few years ago maybe possibly but not now I'm just too far gone it cannot happen in me have you seen my condition Sarah is barren and now she's old her biological clock has stopped let me put it like this there cannot be a worse condition right now than hers for having a child the angel of the Lord, though, asks Abraham as they come to that tent. They say, where is Sarah? Notice the use of the name that they used. Where is Sarah, your wife? Abraham says, well, of course, she's in the tent. And they begin to speak to Abraham, though Sarah's there in the tent, eavesdropping as it would be in the tent door. Your wife, they tell him, is, they know that she's hearing this. Your wife is going to have a son. Amen. Sarah's never heard of this personally from angels or from God herself. He, she's going to have a son. Abraham has always told her the stories about all this, but now she's hearing it for herself. You're going to have a son and the Bible says Sarah laughed within herself saying after I'm waxed old shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also the Bible says she laughed within herself the rabbis say the old Jewish rabbis say that she laughed at her insides matter of fact According to uh, Rabbi Lang, he says the Hebrew construct of this word, and I was talking about Jeremy Lang, he says is that it is literally this, the Hebrew construct, she was laughing at her condition. Laughing at her condition of being old, withered, barren. She's in the tent door hearing this for the first time, but she's having conflicting thoughts in her life and in her mind. Thinking, Bishop, not me, not now, not here. That ship has already sailed. That's not a possibility. Maybe somebody else, but not me. 
I'm lacking the goods. I'm damaged goods. I'm a hopeless case. I'm too old. I'm too flawed for that. She was laughing at herself. She was laughing at her condition. Sorry, I lead you on these long journeys. It's just me, okay? It's just me. Amen. The Bible says it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Again, I'm not trying to be graphic. We're trying to hit PG-13 here tonight. But I'm just, just as frank as I can be. Sarah's no longer having periods. Her menstrual cycle has stopped. Therefore, no more menstrual cycle, no more eggs for fertilization. Nothing's being released from her ovaries that the seed of Abraham can fertilize. For that matter, common science tells us all that whenever a female is conceived in the womb and she is born, she's born with all the egg cells she'll ever have in her life. She will not produce more throughout her lifetime. When she's born, anything that can be fertilized to produce a child is with her at the moment of birth. Sarah's 90 years old. There's been a lot of cycles. There's been a lot of cycles that's happened in this woman's life. There's been a lot of tries. There's been a lot of effort. There's been a lot of attempts. For God to show up and say you're going to have a son. You understand God? There's something wrong with me. And so she laughs at herself. She feels as though she's passed the stage. Listen to me. She feels as though she's passed the stage of a miracle. She's thinking it's beyond me. If I lacked before, amen, if I lacked before in my barrenness, then I for sure lack now because physiologically I am now depleted. There's nothing else in There's nothing else inside. It's laughable to think about me. I'm so sorry as I can be. And the angel asked Abraham, why is Sarah laughing at herself? I know that she subscribed to this idea that this is a Sarah problem. I know that she's given in to the idea that this is a Sarah issue. But is anything too hard? Not Get it in your mind tonight, folks. Sarah's not laughing at God. Sarah's not blaming God. Sarah's not like you should have came. Sarah's not doing any of that. Sarah's taking the load of it all. It's my fault. It's because of me. It's who I am. It's my condition. It's... 
And God says, why is she laughing? Because it's anything too hard for God. Sarah knew she was acquainted with what God could do. She had seen it in her lifetime. She knew how God could work. But she had placed herself in a category outside of the arena where she thought God would work. She had placed herself, if you will, beyond the fence of where God would work. And she's thinking to herself, I'm not doubting God, but I doubt myself. I'm not doubting his power, but I'm a doubting anything from me. I'm not unsure about God. I'm unsure about myself because I'm duped into thinking that I'm too bad off for God. Someone say amen. I can't climb in anybody's head tonight. And this is this is this is not gender specific. It can go male or female. There's people that sat in this place that have all the feelings about why this hasn't come to pass, why that didn't happen. You know, it's because of me. It's because of my condition. Because where I've been, where I've gone, what I've done. It's really an issue on my part. It's me. You know, we think sometimes it's a Kevin, it's a Kevin problem. It's a Kevin condition. It's a Kevin issue. No, no, no. God, I'm not blaming you for anything. It's because I'm Maddie. Because I'm bad, Maddie. I got faults and I got failures and, and I got conditions and I got lackings and, and, and deficiencies. You know, God, I'm not putting this on your shoulders. It's an Aaron Brown problem. God it's me it's because I'm Aaron Brown and I lack in a lot of areas and, and I don't have what it what I need or what it takes in order to do it it's me God it's me God and God says why are you laughing it's anything too hard for God and God affirms listen to me I'm about done preaching and God affirms to her that Sarah you're going to have a child Sarah ends up even denying that she was laughing because she was afraid But according to scripture, according to the time of life, Sarah has a son. And just as God had told Abraham in a secret meeting, called that boy Isaac, they named that boy Isaac. Meaning laugh or laughter. Because while Sarah laughed at herself, God says, I'll have the last laugh. Because every time you make mention of that boy's name, that means laughter. You're going to remember one thing, that God can do the unthinkable inside of you when you think that you're lacking and you don't have what's required to have it done. What are you saying? I'm saying there's some here tonight. You've laughed at yourself. You've laughed at your insides. You've laughed about you. You've not put anything on God's shoulders. You've taken it all on your shoulders. God says, I'm going to produce something in your life that you thought couldn't happen, that you thought your condition could not nurse, that you thought wouldn't come about. He says, and I'm going to have the last laugh because I can do something in your life that no matter what you think is lacking, I can do it. And so she laughed at herself, but God had the last laugh in spite of her condition because he said, I'm going to laugh because in spite of you lacking, I did that. In spite of your hope, I did that. In spite of your flaws, I did that. In spite of your age, I did that. In spite of your damaged goods. Stand with me tonight.
I got people that come to church. I got people that listen online that's laughing at themselves. Laughing at their personal issues. Because God, what God says he will do in our lives. They're like, God, me, I'm an arena that's kind of out of bounds for a God performance. I know me. It's been several, several before me, fine and dandy, but me, unprecedented. Baron, we bow our heads in this place tonight. There is, etern- there is internal dialogue. It's happening in the lives of people. Internal dialogue. Laughing at ourselves. Laughing at our conditions. Laughing at our shortcomings. Not in a sinister way. But in a way of just disbelief. A way that just, you know, God, you're great for everybody except me. And that's not your problem, God. It's my problem. I'm the untouchable. I'm the unredeemable. I'm the unreconcilable. God says, I'll have the last laugh. I'll have the last laugh. Proving to you that I can do, I can do in your life when you feel like you lack what's needed in order to accomplish what I say is going to be done. I'll have the last laugh. I'll show you. I'll prove to you. I'll prove to you that your condition isn't too far gone. I'll prove to you that you've not went too far. I'll prove to you that your mistake isn't too big. I'll prove to you I'm going to have the last laugh. I'm going to have the last laugh. Don't laugh at yourself too prematurely. Don't laugh at yourself too vehemently. Don't laugh too much because I'm going to have the last laugh. I'm going to prove to you that you're redeemable. I'm going to prove to you you're reconcilable. I'm going to prove to you that I love you. I'm going to prove... I don't know how else to explain it tonight. I don't know how else to explain it tonight. Somebody's going to go home tonight and they're going to lay their pillow, their head on their pillow all over again like they do after many services. And they're going to have a lot of negative self-talk about themselves and who they are and how they're a failure and how God wouldn't want to even touch them with a 10-foot pole. But I've come to try to tell somebody with the encouragement of the word tonight, God will have the last Uh, I'm compelling someone tonight to come find an altar bring the laughter about your condition about yourself the disbelief the disbelief about what would be possible with you and bring those insecurities bring those damaged goods bring whatever you want to label it and call it bring it to the Lord tonight and let him have that one-on-one conversation. It seems like you've been out in the left field. Maybe I, you know, pastor sometimes says, God's going to do great things in you. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I'm barren. You know, it's kind of like Abraham. All the times he would share with Sarah, God's going to do this. It's like, well, I've never been included in the meeting. Yeah, all right. But as she stands in the tent door, she hears. She's so pounded down, mom. She can't even believe it. She'd believe it for anybody else before she'd believe it for her. And there's people, I feel in the Holy Ghost, there's people in this place right now tonight that says, I would believe it for anybody else, Pastor McGee, but not for me. It wouldn't. 
my condition. Seriously, my condition. I'm old. Time has already ticked for me. That opportunity is long gone. Let God have the last laugh. These altars are open. I compel somebody tonight. The Holy Ghost is here. He is reaching to the depths of people. God's going beyond the surface tonight. He's going beyond the hallelujah and the amen and the shout. And he's going deep. He's going into recesses and crevices and people's minds and spirits right now tonight. And he's trying to pull possibility out. He's trying to pull possibility out. He's trying to combat the negativity of your mind and where you view yourself. He's trying to combat that right now and tell you he's going to have the last life that child yes yes that promise that word that he has spoken but he's going to have these altars are open will somebody come right now will somebody be honest with themselves will someone quiet the voices of their minds and their hearts right now and hear the voice of heaven will somebody hear the voice of heaven there's an Isaac to be born sir there's an Isaac to be born ma'am God's going to have the last laugh what he said will happen in spite of your condition what he said will happen in spite of what you think is damaged goods God come on ma'am come on sir it's not beyond you're not beyond thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.